This is the Campus Retail Podcast, and I am Ben Eisenstein. I am here in Coyote Canyon, California. Food. How would you like to be responsible for the feeding of 52,000? That's 52,000 hungry students. Well, that's the job of the Ohio State University's corporate executive chef, Lisa Holford. We're talking to Chef Lisa today about her origins in this industry, her thoughts on culinary trends with Gen Z, and this is the biggest question, does she work summers? Here's Chef Lisa. Not a lot of people really start their careers knowing or thinking that they're going to be in the uh, college and university industry, and then we sort of find ourselves here just by serendipity. So just curious about your journey. True. I, I would agree with that. I think that, um, I mean, my journey started in restaurants out of culinary school. I went to the Culinary Institute of America. I had a fantastic mentor uh, who worked with me in restaurants, and it got to the point where it was difficult to balance running a restaurant and raising a family. And so I had an opportunity to work at the University of Akron. Um, and I became the executive chef over there. And that was nice because uh, it provided some flexibility, but still a lot of opportunity to start doing some R&D and catering and, and working with students. So I, it kind of hit on, on a lot of levels. And then I left there to actually work at the convention center uh, here in Columbus to kind of further that volume experience because I started to really have a passion for for volume, for executing event for three, five, mm. 10,000 people. And I think that that experience at the convention center, uh, along with some patience uh, in, in other experiences and opportunities, led me to be able to have the position here at Ohio State so, Chef, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. You mentioned yeah a passion for delivering volume to you know ten thousand people for an event for like you know ten thousand people. I'm fascinated by the psychology of that because I would think that would frighten and terrify a lot of people to have to be responsible for feeding <laughs> for feeding that many people. So, what do you think it is about you that that gives you that passion? Um, well, I, I think that part of it is terrifying, and I think I enjoy that. Um, I, I don't know. I think a lot of us choose this career path because we're definitely a little bit different. I mean, it is, it can be brutal. It can be a little bit punishing, but I think I always enjoyed the, um, the logistics, uh, the teamwork, um, and seeing that actual final execution of the event. Uh, so what are some of the big events now in your role at Ohio State? I know that it's a big sports school. Football team's huge. I mean, I, I think the I think the stadium holds over like 110,000 people, something like that. Do you have any involvement in those events, or what are some of the, the real big events you do for campus? So I, I, I am not involved in those events. Um, that is primarily athletics. When you think of, of me as the chef for dining services, think of anybody who has a meal plan, and, and so that's what we take care of. So really our, our my biggest opportunity um, to feed and coordinate with the masses would be one of our all-you-care-to-eat operations, which is Traditions at Scott, which feeds around, um, in peak time, around 12,000 people a day. Um, it gets down to around 8,000 in the spring. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. Do you, When it comes to all-you-care-to-eat, you know, I think general wisdom, at least you know, where I was at San Diego State a few years ago, was you know, trends with millennials and then going into Gen Z was that, oh, they don't perceive buffet, aka all you care to eat as healthy anymore, moving away from that. But 
I'm not really sure that caught on. That might have just been sort of a uh, maybe a fad for for a year or so. I mean, what is your perception as far from your vantage point? Do students they still love the all you care to eat, right? As as freshmen, they still love the all you care to eat as first and second year. Um, I, I would say, and and I think the all you care to eat's come a long way, right? It's it's not just the the tray line with the the mashed potatoes and the uh, meatloaf, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, um, I mean, our, our operations have Mongolian woks and pho stations and solution stations, you know, that feature vegan and vegetarian and gluten-free items. And we have the blend burger and we have, you know, comfort food and, and a churrascaria. And so that's something that you didn't see necessarily 20 years ago. That is, is now the expectation. And, and when you think about these tradition operations, we have three on campus. Um, in our uh, mix of, a, of around 30 operations. And those three traditional all-you-care-to-eat probably hand, handle around 40% of the daily transactions. Wow. And so, I mean, I think that those numbers speak volumes in, in, in what it is that they're looking for. How do we, in this industry, how, I mean, you, you touched on sort of how professional the culinary experience has gotten in, in the past 20 years or so and you know the, the classical training that you all have um, at the executive chef level and what is your recommendation as far as educating campus about that you know educating community members you know we just had our move-in day here in the uc system this past weekend and you know i think a lot of the parents are surprised the level of culinary expertise we have here and, and what, what, what would you recommend as far as getting that word out there that that the high level of quality is being provided to these students you know, I think that I think that's tough, but I do think it starts with those campus visits, right? When the parents are coming on campus and they're looking around and um, you know deciding ultimately where their children are going to apply to go to school. Um, it, once they're here, I think it's it, it speaks for themselves once they go into the locations. But it, it is kind of tough to communicate because, especially in those first couple weeks of academia, there's so much going on. They're so saturated with other information yep. and getting used to the, the college environment. Um, but I, I do think that there's an opportunity there. So something I experimented, experiment, um, you know, ex experimented with going into this fall was, and, and I believe that you're that Ohio State's pretty involved in in NACUPS. Um, I know at least at the at the leadership ship level. I'm not sure how much you're involved with NACUPS, but so we had one of our chefs. He he won the gold medal at the national conference this year in Providence. So I really wanted to make sure that students knew that and the students' parents knew that when they were coming in this year. Uh, he, he runs culinary for one of our residence hall restaurants. And so we put up posters and put ads on napkin dispensers with him and his shiny gold medal, just letting people know. And it's a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, this is not somebody who necessarily wants to brag. Um, but sometimes you have to brag about yourself a little bit to get that message out. I would agree. I would agree. And so, yeah, that's that's something I, I keep in mind. So, you know, if we don't talk about ourselves, nobody's going to talk about us. So that's that's sort, of, that's sort of how I look at it. Um, True. So you t it sounds like you have a huge variety that you're offering in your residential restaurants. Can you talk about some of the, the trends you're going, you you see this year going into next year? You know, what do, what are these Gen Z students, what are they into these days? Um, I think a big trend, uh, definitely not going away, is the demand for more customization uh, with items. Yep. such as uh, grain bowls, right? Grain bowls are huge. Those are not going away. And uh, you can do those six ways to Sunday. Uh, pasta bowls, uh, 
customized Latin items. Um, that is very, very popular here. Um, of course, more grains and fruits and vegetables, which I think we've always done a good job with, but we try and continue that year over year. Um, and honestly, really simple, well-done concepts. This year we opened up a, um, a concept Mirror Lake, uh, which was open many years ago and had subs and milkshakes and fried chicken, and it was closed down, renovated, and now it's solely hand-breaded buttermilk uh, marinated uh, chicken tenders, mm. and, and that's it. So you get chicken tenders, fries, and milkshakes, and you go into this operation, and it's, it's, it's just packed, and it's got this fantastic energy, and it's because we took the time to do the research and the R&D and the innovation to come up with something that was done so well and so right that it's, that it's craveable. So let's talk about that, that research. How did, when you're building a new concept, how do you inform the menu? Do you go out and you, you talk to students? Do you look at national trends? How does that work? So sure. Yeah, I look at national trends. I think um, when it comes to the students here at OSU, we have certain focus groups that we work with, um, like uh, residence hall advisory councils, and then the director uh, has a few groups that he works with. And so I use them as a resource in the fall primarily, um, and I usually have forms that they fill out with specific questions as to what it is that they're looking for, and use them as, as basically my little guinea pigs, right, to test the items. And going back to those chicken tenders, I mean, last year, I, I was probably serving hundreds and hundreds of students these chicken tenders to really kind of come up with the exact recipe that we wanted and it really paid off and what's falling off the menu what are what is gen z not so much into these days what do you see yourself using less of oh geez i don't i have to think about that what's mm -hmm. falling off of the menu um I, I would say that our grab and grow product mix was a little bit more um more sandwiches, um, uh, or uh, where, where the, the, the vessel was bread. I would say we have a little less of that. We're doing more um, salads yep. and more sides with grab-and-go, vegetable-based, plant-based items. Um, so, so that's reduced a little bit. Um, and I don't know what else. I'd have, to, I'd have to look into that. And when it comes to the special dietary needs, how do you balance that? Because it's a smaller part of the population, but still a very important part, and also a very vocal part of the population. So um, you, you look at vegan, halal, uh, gluten-free, uh, vegetarian. What, what's sort of your approach there? So we actually set up focus groups with, with all of those. So we have a peanut, tree nut, allergy focus group, uh, gluten-free, celiac, vegans, vegetarians, and then we meet with the MSA, the Muslim Student Association. Um, we bring them our product mix, so what we already have, for example, like 38% of the menu can, can be vegan right now, 45% of it can be vegetarian with uh, customization or alterations, um, and ask them where they see um, areas of opportunity, or if they potentially eat more often at one location, they feel like the product mix isn't quite there, we try and make those adjustments for them. So, so we bring them in, and I often use them, too, as, as uh, tasting panels uh, for new concepts and ideas. Um, and then we take that information back and then make those adjustments for the following year. And how do you go about recruiting these focus groups? Um, actually, we get a list of all of the individuals who report their dietary preferences mm. to housing, uh, which is highly confidential. And that goes to our dietitian, and she recruits. And so that is primarily her job. 
for MSA, the Muslim Student Association, and for like Residence Hall Advisory Council, and those, I, I leave that to the uh, the Director of Dining Services. He takes care of that. Got it. So students have a, you know a ton of different dietary needs and requests, and uh, a huge population of <laughs> over fifty thousand, uh, like we talked about. Um, how do you how do you factor in the needs of faculty and staff? Do you see this all as one part of the campus community, or do you have sort of a separate track for that? I see it all as one part of the campus community. Um, faculty and staff, typically, I, I don't get a whole lot of feedback from them, with the exception of, and this is interesting, they will find something, and, and a lot of our menus rotate. We have cycle menus, and they will want to see it every day. So. I, I would say that I believe that they're looking for a little bit more uh, consistency in our menu engineering versus our students who like to see that variety. Mm. And a good example of that would be um, this cactus chili that we serve. And it, and it comes up on a menu once every three weeks. And I get a, a slew of emails, of course, in spring semester, I'll bring it so it's on you know every day somewhere. But uh, they want to see the cactus chili every day. But I'm not hearing that from our students here, from the faculty and staff. It's almost as if they find one thing and they know that that's what they want to eat for lunch three days a week, whereas our students are just out and about looking for more variety. That's interesting, and I think that could point to just a, a wider difference uh, just in, in demos and, and in age groups, sort of uh, what we're looking for at different stages of our lives. So, yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, what is your approach as far as limited time offers? You say that's a program you run. Uh, when, when it comes to LTOs, I, I've always found them interesting because you can you, you can release them and then they're wildly popular, but just by design, they end up falling off the menu because it's supposed to be a limited time offer. Um, right. <laughs> if you go back on that, then it almost kind of it, it kind of right. defeats the purpose. I wonder what your approach to to that is. You know, from R and D all the way through delivering it and gauging reaction. So I guess it's a little bit two part. Uh... First, you know, I research current trends and flavor profiles and try to incorporate them into stations where we can get the feedback and see where it makes sense. And then the second part is I have a little bit of a throw it to the wall and see if it sticks, right? Um, oftentimes, so our, our limited time offers run for 21 days, so we usually have five cycles each semester throughout all of campus. If it is wildly popular, I will figure out a way to get it on the menu as a core item for that semester, if not the following semester. Um, if it is somewhat popular and seasonal, then it will continue to run as an LTO for that season cycle, such as a pumpkin yogurt parfait, right? Something like that you'll see every October, or where you'll see the pumpkin cider bisque every October in traditions. So some of them are year over year, um, and again, some of them, as we see, um, you know, the sales peak in certain items, typically with grab-and-go, um, we will then bring them on as core items. Some of the, uh, the items that I'm working on for, for spring semester um, that I'm excited about would be uh, like, like a char siu bao, um, Aleppo pepper cauliflower tacos, and uh, Thai coconut broths for uh, grain bowl concepts. But we still meet with, with every operation we go through a very specific calendar and cycle date. We schedule tastings and marketing photo shoots, and it's it's one of the most rewarding parts of my job. And how do you determine what is wildly successful? Is do the location operators let you know that just based on their own in, internal metrics, or is there kind of a specific you know number of sell through that you're looking for? Uh, 
sales reports and feedback, yeah. you know, our students are, are, are very vocal. And I think our director uh, leaves himself very open uh, to student communication. And so that helps a lot. Uh, so, so they'll let us know if it's something that they want to see or they are sad to see go. Um, they'll talk about it. And you talked about when you go into the R&D process, you, you're sort of researching what, what trends are nationally and maybe even globally. Uh, specifically, where, where where do you go for that? Are there certain publications, uh, websites, uh, just you know, for for other people? Like you know, I'm sure they'd be interested to know what your sources are. Uh, well, I, that's kind of tough for me because I don't necessarily want to endorse anything on behalf oh, of sure. Ohio State University. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough question. I mean, you know, off the record, I can tell you what it is that that I like. Um, but of course, I utilize the CIA. Um, obviously, social media. Um, it to me is is huge, and I think a you know an, an example of that would be um, you know Bubble Tea. I know it's been around mm. where from for for many many years. Yeah. It's just starting to hit here in Ohio, and so uh, you you see um, you know these these images on on Instagram, and then you see where they're going, and so I. I, I gather the team and I take them there and we experience it and we taste it and we see it and we look at how it's made and how it's packaged and we ask ourselves, how can we do that? Will that be accepted? Will that be something that there's demand for? And just that little tiny example of seeing the bubble tea blow up on Instagram, taking them to where they're going and then bringing it here to campus has been pretty successful so far. And just sort of the overarching recommendation, I'm sure you would say it's probably smart for everybody in our industry to always, you know, keep our antenna up and uh, not just not not just go with our, our gut all the time, but see what's out there and see what, what can be improved upon year to year. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And I mean, you know, you see that um, in the trends with what the students are eating around campus or yeah. when I go to, um, we, we have a, a street here with a lot of international restaurants and, and I'll go there occasionally and and I see the students there. I see them eating. And I think, how can I recreate this on some level for them? And you talked about Instagram just a moment ago. Um, yeah. You know, so, social media. I guess you could classify that as one part of technology. Um, what about sort of in the kitchen or uh, anywhere else? Does Do you find technology increasingly affects your job and, and the way you do your work? Or, or maybe not so much? Well, I would say the the biggest technology, um, uh, I don't know how to say, plus that we've experienced here, um, implementation, how about that, at Ohio State has been um, an online ordering uh, hmm. system or mobile ordering system, um, and I could say it's Topingo, and it's uh, we are we are Topingo's uh, largest customer. We probably serve around 7,000 orders a day. And so, so that's affected um, culinary in that uh, when they order in class or in between class, they want that food. They're ready, uh, waiting for them when they uh, go to their next class. And so we've had to kind of redesign how we do things in a couple of operations to be able to execute that food quickly for them. Um, and, and so I would say Topingo has been uh, huge for us here. I think mobile ordering in general, that's not something that's that's going away. People are that's increasingly gonna become table stakes, right? For really any food service provider to to eventually offer that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think eventually that and kiosk ordering is going to be a hundred percent and we're starting to implement kiosk ordering too. Um, 
you know, and I think a lot of this innovation starts started in, in, pri in private industry, then it sort of makes its way over to the university side, but maybe not in all cases. Um, could, can you talk a little bit more as we wrap up here? I know you worked at both, you know, in the private sector, and then you've gone to university. Uh, what are some of the things you miss about private sector, but also some of the things that you enjoy uh, about working at a university like Ohio State? Um, well, I don't know what I, I if I could pinpoint anything that I necessarily miss from the private sector. I, I would say one thing about working at Ohio State um, that is very different from private is in a university setting, there is is truly a focus on um, continuing education, educating yourself, and and just an overall value that you feel that the university has um, in you uh, that I don't think you always get uh, outside of a university setting. Uh, do you have a most fun part about your job? Well, I would say. Every day is unique. Every day is different, um, and and kind of seeing those long term uh, projects uh, come to fruition, uh, such as the, those chicken tenders. I know it's a silly example, but when you work so hard on one item and um, you're able to walk into an environment and see, you know, 70, 80 students um, mm. consuming this one item, it, it's very rewarding. I, I would say that that's the best part. What is it, Chef, about chicken tenders? Because uh, we have a concept as well, and it's a chicken-based concept, and then tenders are just wildly popular. No matter what we do with the menu, that's always the, the best seller. So do you have any insights into just chicken tenders specifically? What do people like about them? I, I, I don't know. I guess they're just versatile, and, and maybe it's the sauces. Maybe yep. it's all of the sauces that they can pick to eat with them. Um, it's crunchy. It's sweet. It's salty. Um you can eat it when you're walking, yep. uh, on the go. Uh, you could probably leave them in your dorm for an hour and they still taste good. <laughs> it's chicken. <laughs> yep. So, Chef, my last question for you is, do you work during the summer? That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Uh, so summer, is, uh, summer is my busiest time of the year because um, we're tying up all of that R&D. Um, getting those menus finalized uh, so that they can go online and all of our nutritional data is correct. And so, yeah, summer, I often say that um, we have that time between the school closing, ending, and uh, the NACUFS National. And, and after NACUFS National, like, my summer's over. So that, that little window is really menu R&D time, like finalizing everything, NACUFS National, and then it might as well, the students might as well be coming through the door after that. So Yeah, I totally agree. I, and that's one of those interesting things I found when I first started working full-time in university environment is just how many people would say, oh, is that a full-time job? Do you work in the summer? Like, yes, yes. Yeah. There's, summer, there's parts of summer that are much more busy than uh, parts of, the, than parts of the, the main school year. So it's interesting to hear the outside perspectives from people. Oh, yeah. I, I, if anything, February is my summer, I would say. That's, yeah. That's opportunity. <laughs> Thanks to Chef Lisa for her time. Can you imagine menu planning for over 52,000 students every day? Hit us at the Campus Retail on Gmail and Twitter and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, coyotes! Yeah.